All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 2019 Carson Justin Golf Podcast. This is the fifth episode. We are back after a couple weeks off. I was sick, and then I had a trip, and Justin was busy, and we had a lot going on. So we're happy to be back with you all, and we have a lot of information to cover. A lot of things happened over those couple weeks. Um, but after this podcast, we'll be really looking forward to getting back onto our normal schedule of uh, a weekly podcast for you all to to uh, follow all the golf news and keep up to date with everything going on. So we're going to get right to it. We have a lot to cover, like I said, um, and we're going to start where we left off last time. And that was the preview for the uh, Pebble Beach AT&T uh, Pro. Um, and a lot went down in that tournament. Um you know, Justin, it was a great win for Phil Mickelson. He finally got himself back in the winner's circle after a long drought uh, since last year's WGC Mexico Championship. Um, and he really put on the dominating display of golf in that, that final round, shooting a seven-under uh, par round um, and really just taking the tournament from Paul Casey. Yeah, um we were expecting a, a choke from Paul Casey, really, uh, with a, having a three-shot lead with Phil hunting him down on the last day. And that was kind of the case, but really, Phil just won the tournament out outright. Paul Paul finished at 16, and Phil started the day at 12. So he really made him come come after him with uh, with some poor conditions, I believe. And, um, and there was an interesting scenario on the 16 green when it started getting dark. Phil was on fire. Paul really wasn't. And Phil actually had a three-shot lead. He flipped the tables around from the start of the day. And and Phil was trying to finish in the dark, and Paul was like, "He was. We're gonna, we're gonna wait till tomorrow." <laughs> Phil, Phil, I think said, uh, "I have twenty eighty uh, or eighty twenty vision or something like that." <laughs> as he was walking down the fairway to Paul Casey, he uh, he said he could see just perfectly fine. Um, and I'm sure you know, Justin, it was probably as dark as it is outside right now here in the, in Fort Wayne. But um, you know, Phil can see fine. Hey, if he could see. You know, might as well just finish, but that's not what the rules uh, of golf allow. And uh, Casey would have had had to actually finish that putt. Um, so it was sort of his his decision. It was all all came down to Casey if he would like to actually putt out on sixteen or not. He decided not to, so that really halted play. But if he would have putted out, Mickelson would have had the chance to finish seventeen, charge over to eighteen, and tee off. And then he could have actually finished his round. Casey wouldn't have had to finish, but Phil then would have had the right to finish, uh, which would have been a very interesting scenario. Um, but ultimately, even Phil said coming back in the final round, he goes, you know what, Paul, you were right. We, we should not have continued um, playing. Um, I think <laughs> and Phil, Phil's like, I got caught up in the moment a little bit, which, which you know, definitely. He, definitely, he definitely did. But, um, you know, it's uh, good old Phil Mickelson and um, – that's what you get. Fill the thrill. You know, he, yeah. he wants to go out there and, and get that win. And I'm sure he was super excited playing that well. And, you know, I don't blame, you know, Justin, we played the dark before at Chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He was on fire. I can't blame him. He had a three shot lead. He had all the confidence in the world. He had been sticking irons all day. He was only going to hit more irons on 17 and 18. So he figured he has this in the bag. Casey's not going to go birdie Eagle. And even if he does, he still might, still might take him down with a birdie on 18. Uh, and then they come out the next day. Uh, Casey drains the four footer, still three back. And then Phil picks up right where he left off and goes, should almost birdied 17 and then uh, birdied 18. So, so it didn't really matter. Just, uh, just an extra day before Phil was able to get back in the winner's circle. So uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's happy with how it played out. And uh, unfortunate for Casey, he wasn't able to finish it off, but uh, I mean, he played well. He just, an all-time great like that, shoots seven under in the final round, and it's tough to hang. Right. You know, and, and Paul Casey's a guy who always finds himself, you know, in contention uh, every single year. He He's up there, whether it's in majors or, or you know, larger tour events like the, the Pebble Beach uh, AT&T Pro-Am. Um, he always finds himself there in contention, but he's really struggled finishing um, out of victory in the final round. And, you know, this tournament, yes, he didn't finish it off, but he didn't give it to Phil. Phil took this from him, and, and that was really great to see. Um, you know, Justin, like you mentioned earlier about the weather, the weather was atrocious. It was rainy. It was cold. Um, you know, kind of that marine layer that you see in uh, 
California sometimes. Uh, it, it was honestly brutal. Um, and, and, you know, the amateurs had to play in it. You had the, the celebrities <laughs> out there. Um, I know, Justin, we saw some interesting shots from the likes of Toby Keith and Darius Rucker on 17. Oh, my. Yeah, they were putting it out in the crowd, right of the crowd, on the other side of the grandstands. There were just some bizarre shots. You saw one was just a straight low hook, a bladed hook left. Um, there was some there was some bad shots from those amateurs, and those handicaps didn't really add up to, to what they were hitting. <laughs> it, it'd be like uh, it'd come up like Darius Rucker, and it'd say, like, three handicap. And it's like, no, it's like a 20 handicap. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, you know, you, you never know. You never know with the handicap system. You know, really the whole handicap system is kind of a scam. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is, especially out of Chestnut in the leagues. It's just – I played, I believe, against a like a, a 15 handicapper. I had to give him two shots a hole, and he shoots 37. And I'm like, what? What? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. At 15 for nine holes, it's a, not mistaken for 18. So he – he on average shoots 52 is what he's claiming about. And he shoots a 37 in the tournament against me. And I'm just like, this is a bunch of baloney. <laughs> you know, Justin, ultimately probably the best shot of the whole tournament at the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am was uh, Brant Snedeker. I think it was on the first round for on the 18th hole. He hooked his drive left down onto the beach. I mean, in the absolute garbage on that par five. Yeah. He had to climb down the, the kind of, marine wall you know to keep the the ocean water contained he gets down there and his ball's on the beach and he can really hardly get this ball anywhere but somehow he manages to aim over the ocean to cut it back up to get it up quickly over that that marine rock and gets the ball to go back into the fairway then hits it up onto the green and makes the putt for a four (laughs) birdie I, i i don't think i've seen that that string of just an amazing recovery shots um, in a long time. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, he shouldn't have got down there in the first place, um, but thankfully he wasn't <laughs> far enough off to where he's able to see his ball and had a good lie, and he just had to get it up over the lip of the of the rocks pretty quickly, and uh, he, he was able to do that and just make a straightforward birdie from there. But um, for any of uh, you listeners that don't fully know hole 18 at Pebble Beach, it's a par five along the ocean. Uh, kind of bends around the ocean all on the left side is ocean and then right I believe it's just rough and some bunkers and then right in the middle of the fairway you got a tree and then it's I believe close to 600 yards too so it's a it's no gimme for sure it's a very interesting hole and uh, you can imagine if you go over by the ocean what you're dealing with and Brant still still made a phenomenal birdie out of that so it was very exciting no, that's very true. You know, that's, that's a great description of that final hole. It's honestly, you know, I've never played it, but it's one of the, one of my favorite holes watching on television. It's just just such a great hole. A lot, a lot of risk reward involved there. Um, you know, Justin, one celebrity golfer that stands out that's not in that hack category is Tony Romo. He had to leave the tournament early for some uh, family circumstances, but. He he put on a fantastic display of golf, and he even I just read today got an exemption into uh, one of the Texas PGA Tour events on, on the Texas Swing down there. Wow! Um, later in the season, so it'll be very interesting to see his game compete up against the pros because he, he's really a top am, amateur golfer in the United States. I mean, he he's a tough player to beat. Yeah, I think he realized he wasn't going to be getting a Super Bowl trophy anytime soon. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go for a major in golf. <laughs> and uh, it looks like he's on his way to doing that. He had that one shot. Uh, he had his drive up on the grandstand, and it was just sitting on some, some carpet or something where the people were sitting. And uh, out of there, he hits this zipper that lands like five feet, maybe ten feet past the hole, and zips back to less than a foot from the hole. And that was, I believe that was the highlight of his pro-am. Uh, weekend but uh, he had shots similar to that I mean not necessarily off of a grandstand but but great shots all throughout his rounds very frequently so it'll be really exciting to watch him go up against some pros and probably beat several pros right you know Justin I honestly wonder if that shot may have been better than Snedeker's I mean that shot took a, a lot of skill for a guy you know who's who's not a professional doing it every single day yeah yeah I'm sorry, um, but the yeah. no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, the shot he had, I don't know. I, I can't. I couldn't exactly see. I, I was probably about 80 yards or something. So it was, a, it was a tough shot. 
I believe it'd be just tough because of the setting. You know, you're hitting off of something you never hit off of. There's like chairs and a railing in front of you. You can blade it into. There's people all around you. So the pressure would be more difficult than I believe the difficulty of the shot. But considering he's an amateur to put that to a foot and nearly hole it, uh, I'd say that's a little bit more impressive than Snedeker's birdie. But both are less than 1% chance of pulling off what both of them did. <laughs> Definitely. All in all, uh, Justin and I would just like to send out our uh, congratulations to Phil Mickelson on a, on a great tournament. Um, really, he was able to uh, brave the, the tough conditions. And, um, you know, when you're playing three different golf courses like that, you really have to have um, all areas of, of your game firing on all cylinders. Spyglass Hill, Monterey Peninsula, and Pebble Beach, um, all top courses in the United States, if not the world. Um, and Phil really showed that they, he, he brought his game and was the very deserving champion. So congrats to Phil. Yeah, um, one um, more point to add on to that. Sure. Uh, not, not in a bragging sense or anything, but if you go back to the last podcast, you'll, you'll hear our predictions for the, for the Pro-Am. And uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I actually selected Phil Mickelson to win that because uh, I, I believe he wanted to do well for the U.S. Open that's going to be being played there. So I um, selected Phil, and he came through for me. So that was, that, that was pretty exciting to see. Can he win there twice, Justin? Can he? I'm taking him for the U.S. US Open. Open. I'm taking him for the U.S. Open. I'm taking Tiger for the Masters, too. We'll remember this. The uh, February, I think, 19th podcast or 18th, whatever it is today, Justin projected Phil Mickelson to win the U.S. Open. So we'll be be coming back to this one, I'm (laughs) sure, in in the middle of the summer. He better not get second again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to get second. You know, that that one year when he – he had it. He had a chance coming down right down the last hole and goes ahead and takes driver just like Phil always does and uh, puts it into the trees and it costs him the tournament. Wow. But any, anyway, I'm getting a little off topic there. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get back to the, the PJ Tour in the next event that we didn't get a chance to give you a preview for, unfortunately. Uh, since I was sick and really hardly had a voice, Justin and I decided to call it off this past week. So, uh, But we'll give you a nice recap here. Uh, the golf tournament is the Genesis Open. It's kind of a tournament where Tiger is somewhat of a sponsor with the Tiger Woods Foundation, um, and he sort of puts on the event. And it's played at Riviera Country Club, very highly esteemed country club in uh, California. Um, and Justin, once again, the weather played a large factor in this tournament, unfortunately, two weeks in a row. The first round basically almost got completely wiped. In fact, it really did. Um, they were fighting from behind um, every single day, including the final round, um, to, to make it up so they could they could actually finish in four days. And, and they did. The tournament directors did a fantastic job. Um, and J.B. Holmes ended up coming up with the, uh, the big victory there. Yeah, Justin Thomas had a four-shot lead going into the final day, so most people probably thought it was a wrap in his favor. But tough conditions, very tough golf course. Uh, the mix of those, I mean, anything can happen. Four shots was gone, I believe, after the turn at, at the latest. It might have been after right. even like six holes as four-shot lead was gone. And JB took a lead, and then you see JB three-putt from like five feet, and then all of a sudden Thomas is back, and then all of a sudden Thomas <laughs> four-putts, and then you're like, what is this? <laughs> this is crazy. And that's probably some of the worst putting I've ever seen on a Sunday of any tournament, watching Tiger miss a two-footer, watching – just everybody missed a two-footer, it seemed like. Um, <laughs> it was terrible, honestly. You know, Justin, I made a little tally on my notes here for this podcast. And Justin Thomas had two three-putts and one four-putt on the second nine. Wow. The final nine holes of, the, of that golf tournament. He played so well up into that point. And J.B. Holmes had two three-putts. Seldom do you see a guy have two three-putts on the final nine holes of a golf tournament. Let, let alone any golf tournament, but a, a PGA Tour, a very large PGA Tour event, a guy who has two three-putts, how can they possibly win? But J.B. Holmes found a way to win. Um, and, and, you know, really congrats to him for, for doing that. He's, he's a guy who, who you know, you see on tour every once in a while his name pop up. He's up there in, con- in contention, but doesn't really give himself a whole a lot of uh, opportunities to win. Um, it was great to see him take advantage early in the in the season and one. Yeah, I think the hole in one. I believe he shot even the first day and then put out an eight under uh, round mm-hmm. two. 
Yeah, and he had a hole-in-one there, too. So it was a really special week for him. I feel like it was kind of meant for him to win based off all the lip-outs JT kept getting. Um, one thing that, no, I wouldn't say annoyed me, but definitely annoyed the players around him was a slow play. I've seen lots exactly. of headlines on that. Um, the, the PGA Tour isn't enforcing anything on slow play, it seems like. I mean, you can't blame him if no one's telling him to speed up. So, uh, so that's something that should be looked at. I mean, we need to try to speed up the game, not have five-hour rounds, because five-hour rounds loses, I mean, loses interest from the golfers sometimes, some from the from the viewers. And then, hey, when the guy beats you by one and he was taking two minutes per shot, that'd probably be a little frustrating. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, congratulations to JB Holmes. That's not to take anything away from him. It's it's more to take something. More to more something to look at for the PGA Tour, but JB Holmes played great. He deserved it. He got a hole in one. Very special week. Uh, couldn't be more excited for him. Uh, well, let's see if he can build off this and get some more wins. I think he's at five now, so uh, uh, let's see if he can get uh, get some more wins. Exactly. So you know, JB, you know, like I said, he's constantly up there. You know, not necessarily constantly, but you know, he's kind of a guy who just is kind of lurking. You know, he, he, he finds himself in contention every once in a while. Um, but he's constantly kind of in the middle of the pack and then, and then sometimes pops out here and there. Justin, you know, I have a, I have a question for you here. Do you think he can be a guy that, that can come up with a, a couple major championships before the end of his career? You know, I think it's definitely possible he could come up with a couple. I'd say two would be his max amount that he could get. So it's possible. I don't see it happening. I honestly don't see him getting one. If he proves me wrong, all the power to him. Uh, but uh, he's definitely capable. I just, I just wasn't getting the whole major championship vibe from his mentality. I don't know how to explain it any more better than that. I just, he, he seems like a very solid golfer, a very good family man, and everything. I just don't see him as like a, as like an all-time, all-time great type of golfer. True. Um, and he he played well Sunday, but the tournament was handed to him. You know, I mean, JT did did give it to him, and JT said that in the, in his post round interview. He, he he hates to hand it to him like that, but I mean, he shot one under. He deserved it. I I see him maybe getting one, maybe getting like a PGA or something. Um, yeah, he seems like a PGA guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see him getting a PGA. I mean, I'd be really happy if he did. Um, but I, I don't see him being a, some type of transcendent type of talent as he progresses through his career. I mean, he's already been on there for for over a decade at least, I'd say. Probably probably 15 or so years on the PGA Tour. I don't know how, exactly how old he is, but, but he's been out there for a little while. You know, and just for our listeners to understand here, Justin has been very on point with his uh, predictions over the last few weeks, obviously with uh, Phil Mickelson. But, you know, None of you really got any insight to what our picks were for uh, the Genesis Open since we, we didn't have our podcast. Um, but Justin said to me before the the um, tournament began, he's like, I think Tiger's probably going to have a, you know, a top 20, around the top 20. And Tiger Woods ends up barely making the cut and ends up tied for 15th after an incredible start to the third third round. He went birdie eagle birdie birdie to start yeah. that third round how incredible was that i mean that wasn't that was insane he i believe he birdied the hole to get into making the cut also i don't he know did. if it was, a, it was a birdie putt yeah it was a long birdie putt he had to make the second round. and then i guess that fired him up and then he comes out 500 through the first four and the crowd's going crazy and uh tiger's feeling the momentum and he posted i believe a 65 Mm-hmm. Um, and then it uh, could have been way lower yeah too. it could have been 59 watch really yeah to that <laughs> yeah start. And, uh, and, um, and then the next day, Sunday, he came out on fire too. He hold a bunker shot. I believe he's, it's like three under at one point, but then he closed with four bogeys over the last 10 holes or so. And he kind of ran out of gas, but top 15 is very solid. So I believe he's happy with the week making the cut. He didn't even know if he's going to make the cut at one point, makes the cut, gets top 15. He uh, improved from his, I believe 20th place finish, um, and he's just trying to get ready for the Masters and the Majors. I believe he's going to have a top 10 finish this upcoming week. All right. I, I like that prediction. And we'll get to the, uh, the WGC here in, in a little while toward the end of our, uh, our podcast. Um, you know, another storyline to take away from Riviera was how the, the difficult conditions, it got really cold. It was in the 40s. They, the, most of the rounds were played in 40-some degree weather. 
and that the temperatures actually just completely completely destroyed some of the players' gains. Uh, for example, Jordan Spieth shot a ten over eighty one in the final round. So, Justin, I think next time when we're out, you know, when the spring rolls around, it's brutal weather, it's windy, it's cold, you know, and we're out there grinding out a, a 75 or a 76, we need to kind of take take a step back here and think, wow, the pros would really be struggling in this too because they do struggle in cold weather. The pros are not used to playing in cold weather. And when they get into it, you, you can certainly see that it bothers them. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that's the only type of weather we play in unless it's the middle right. of summer out here. And uh, I know. And you see them carrying it like some of the longest hitters on tour, a 260 driver carry. It's like, what? That's the, that, that makes more sense. Like, their, their 400-yard drives are because it's extremely dry and it's 90 degrees, and then they hit it on a downslope and it runs. That's why they're hitting it 400 here and there. But, hey, when they're playing in wet, cold conditions like we tend to, they're hitting it pretty much the same distance maybe i mean maybe a little longer but but 260 carry like i saw a 257 I believe i saw i mean high 200s was really where it was around and um that's definitely doable um they didn't they didn't seem like they played any better than we could out there right now without the with the putting the short hitting the it was really a mess at genesis this weekend <laughs> out of all the people there were a couple good rounds going but uh but yeah, the conditions uh, definitely took a toll. So it'll be interesting to see who, who plays well in the open if the open has similar conditions. Exactly. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Tiger play back to back weeks now, finally. You know, I, I was calling for that, you know, several weeks ago after he elected to uh, to not play um, at, the, at the waste management. I was a little bit frustrated because I felt like he could have gone from farmer's insurance with that momentum that he had at the final round there and taken that into the waste management and, and potentially could have gotten himself in, into contention. But here's a perfect example. Tiger finished, you know, his, his finish in the final round was was a little bit rough. It, it's basically because he got tired. You know, he had to play a lot of holes that final round, making everything up. Um, but I think here's an opportunity for him to take the nice momentum, a nice top 15, take it into the next week down in Mexico, and let's see what happens. Um, you know, Justin there predicting the top 10. Um I, I like that prediction. I, I foresee a top 10 from Tiger. I, I do foresee him getting in, into contention, though, with that top 10. I think we're going to have some moments there on Sunday where we're going to start thinking, wow, could Tiger win that? Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that, that could very, very well be a possibility. I completely agree. I mean, we it, there was even a point in the Genesis where he, I believe he's sixth or seventh place. and Right. And, and it looked like he could have won with everybody coming back off the top of the leaders. Uh, 17 was dropping down to like 14 or 15. And then Tiger was up at 10 with the whole nine to play. And I'm sure with how hot he was, people were like, man, Tiger's about to come back and win this thing. But <laughs> as Justin, and I like to say, go Tiger. Go Tiger. Yeah, go Tiger. <laughs> go Tiger. You know, Justin and I, for, for listeners to, to understand, we are massive Tiger Woods fans. Um, Tiger is the basically you know the the epitome of golf i mean tiger woods is is we consider to be the goat i mean yeah. he's, he's he's the goat and and uh i don't know what we're gonna do when he no longer plays um i guess we're gonna go have to go out there and uh sort of take over the tour yeah we'll have to uh continue his legacy i mean i believe this is tiger transcended the sport prior to tiger you had a bunch of greats like nicholas faldo uh savvy i mean there's a Lee right. Trevino, there's a ton, and, and those were the big names. And then once you get start getting around to Tiger's debut age, I don't think there were too many big names on tour. No, maybe Duvall, yeah. but he, he didn't last very yeah, long. Yeah, and then Tiger really just captured everybody's eyes because all the expectations of him as an amateur, and then he came out and fulfilled them all, like uh, the 97 Masters, really. I believe it was the 97, right, where 18-under, 19-under. Correct, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I believe. Yeah, I I, I'm almost certain. Second. I think he was 21 and 97, and and that's when he did that. And um, yeah, he he inspired so many people from that point on. And now you look at these golfers uh, out there now, and and golfers that are still trying to get there. Their swing speeds are so much faster than they would have been 15 years ago or 20 years ago uh, at the beginning of Tiger. Just Tiger Woods was the model that I believe has inspired thousands of golfers around the world to try to be like that be like tiger and, right just everyone yeah. wants to be like tiger yeah um, i mean you know numerous times over the spring and summer when Justin and i are out there playing i mean you know 
just for our listeners to understand, I mean, we're out there and we're constantly referencing Tiger. I mean, Tiger, Tiger would have done this. What would Tiger do here? Oh, I, I think he'd do this. And I mean, it, Tiger Woods is, is the game of golf. I mean, he, he helped inspire so many people um, to, to play and enjoy the game. Um, and uh, that's what makes him so unique. I don't think there's any other athlete um, that's had an effect on a sport in the sporting world like Tiger Woods has for the game of golf. Tiger, I would agree. I mean, you go and you can just see it, you know, Justin, hopefully we get the opportunity to go to the, uh, the Memorial this year. Um, I know the Canterbury golf team was discussing going uh, and watching after sectional. Yep. Hopefully, you know, you can join us and we can make that part of the podcast too um, over in the uh, Ohio Jacks tournament. Yeah. Um, but to see the tiger effect is unbelievable. I mean, for the people who have not seen it, you have to see it, get a ticket, go watch tiger woods play. It feels like the whole world is watching <laughs> um, and the energy and the excitement. I mean, Tiger will roll in a three-foot par putt, and the place will go bonkers. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it's special. I, I don't even know how to explain it. You have to, you have to experience it to, uh, to understand exactly how it is. But Tiger Woods, all in all, has uh, absolutely been uh, instrumental in the, in making golf what it is in, in, in the modern age. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of the Memorial, I have another little fun fact onto that tournament. I mean, obviously, it's Jack's tournament, and um, Jack actually picked, um, not my blood uncle, but my, my blood aunt's husband, so my uncle, uh, to be the pro there for, I believe, about 17 years, so that's wow. an, another little fun fact. My uncle was the pro at the Memorial Tournament for at least 10 years. Um, some In the teens, I believe, is how long he was there. I don't know exactly how long, but so a fun fact. Fun fact for the viewers. We always we always like that. And that's a it's a great one there, Justin. Yeah, thank you. And Tiger has done some great things at that tournament too. Yeah. Maybe it was when my uncle was a pro there. Who knows? I don't really know, you know but, but that'd be pretty cool. You know, I'd like to like to pose this question to, to our listeners out there and you can give us some feedback, you know, call, text, email, you know, you, frankly we should make an Instagram page for this podcast. Um you know, for people to post questions and comments, but, you know, comment back to us, let us know, should we do a whole podcast on Tiger Woods? Cause frankly, I think we could talk the whole day about Tiger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tiger has the most illustrious career out of any golfer ever, um, both on and off the course, I'd say, I'd say. Um, so <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to talk about Tiger, just the inspiration he's given so many people. And then, I mean, he's, he's had a ton of haters too, that he's just, he showed up by rolling the ball in the hole and winning more majors after. And uh, We don't like the Tiger haters <laughs> on this podcast. We, I mean, we want to get them out of here on this <laughs> podcast. We don't, we don't want them on. We do not invite Tiger haters on this podcast. So you will never hear from a Tiger hater on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you won't hear from a Tiger hater on here. But if you're a Tiger hater and you're currently listening, hopefully we can, we can get you to, to grow on Tiger and start liking them some more. Exactly, exactly. That, that's where... That, Justin, I think that may be the main reason why we even do this podcast. You know, I, th- I think that's our main goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Tiger Woods, uh, yeah, I mean, you can say his name. You can never stop saying his name, but and you can't really get tired of it. I mean, I guess some people might, but but, but Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. <laughs> I, he's, he's the man until someone else says otherwise. Well, does otherwise. <laughs> can't just say. <laughs> Got to gotta do otherwise, but. I know Tiger's looking for some more majors. I bet his goal is to, to get to 20, honestly. I believe that is mm-hmm. his internal goal. Um, I agree. He wants to get the most majors and the most overall wins out of anybody. And I'd like to see him do – I mean, he already has a bunch of great foundations. I'd like to see him do some more off-the-course work as his career comes to not not an end, but as he as he starts falling out of contention, you know, over the next decade and or two maybe. I mean, he could go for another ten years. I'd like to see him, you know, open some more foundations and start start impacting as many people as he can with the platform he's got. I mean, he uh, he's always he's already doing a lot of great stuff, but but that just really add to his legacy for uh, for as he as he ages and as he's gone. I mean, if he if he could put a lot of off the course and on the course work uh, work out there for society too. Exactly. So overall, just to summarize the Genesis Open, congrats to JB Holmes on a great tournament, one under par round in the uh, in the final round to uh, to beat uh, Justin Thomas and uh, the rest of the field there, star stack field. Um, and uh, just congrats to him. Now we're going to move on here um, to kind of a 
more disappointing, sad, frustrating story um, that, frankly, I don't want to cover for, for that long. So we're not going to talk about this for, for an extended amount of time because, frankly, I think it's incredibly unimportant and the media made it seem a lot more important than it actually is. So, and it's the whole Matt Kuchar, if you haven't guessed already, the whole Matt Kuchar caddy controversy. So, apparently, this is all according to the media and what people are saying, and Mark Steinberg, the um, kind of agent for Kuchar, and you know, all these people are all saying a bunch of stuff. Um, and L2 Can is the caddy that was hired by Matt Kuchar because Matt Kuchar's caddy could not be there at the Mayakoba Classic down in Mexico. So, he hired this caddy. He told him, he goes, it's going to be $3,000. I'm going to pay you $3,000 for the whole tournament. And if I make the cut, I'll give you an extra 1000 If I do this, I'll give you an extra 1000 If I There are there certain small little bonuses that could be, could be added. Um, and one of them was, I believe, a $2,000 bonus if he won on top of that $3,000. So overall you know, reasonable deal. They agree. L2 can David Ortiz is his name. He goes by L2 can the caddy and he agreed at the beginning of this tournament. This is a, this is a deal. This is set. Well, you know, what happens? Kuchar goes on and wins the golf tournament. And now Kuchar's sitting there with a million, um, $296,000. And normally caddies get paid about 10%, 20% of the overall, amount that the the player of the of the players winnings um but that that would be a normal like hired caddy well this guy is like the resort caddy there who probably makes 200 dollars a day um and you know th- this week for him even having those three thousand five three five thousand dollars is an incredible incredible deal um incredible week you know he got to he got the enjoyment of being with matt well, anyway, I think someone uh, kind of whispered into his ear and goes, "You know, this doesn't this doesn't seem right that you only got five thousand dollars. Kuchar won all this money, and and uh, you know, caddies normally get paid more when their uh, their player wins. And all of a sudden, El Toucan started complaining about it, and the media caught caught onto this because they love these type of stories where people get so called ripped off." Um, and, uh, they turned it basically Matt Kuchar into a villain in this thing. Um, when really he just, he made, he made a deal before the tournament even started and L2Can agreed, but then all of a sudden L2Can's going out on the deal. Um, and, uh, all in all Kuchar apologized in the end, said it was, uh, wrong, said some of his comments were wrong, which I think is really unfortunate because Matt Kuchar is actually a fantastic guy. Um, and a really great family family man, and he really, really cares about everybody. He treats everybody well. He's maybe one of the, the great guys on tour. Um, so he ends. He's going to end up paying the full fifty thousand dollar amount after the media outrage. Is he really? He is. So that that was the that was the final um, sort of okay. uh, sort of uh, ending to this okay. whole uh, whole. Yeah, but Justin, I'd be interested to get your get your thoughts. Definitely, yeah. What I saw, I mean, to, to end it, I saw that he requested the fifty thousand, and then I I saw Kuchar offered fifteen of that, and then the exactly. that he denied, and then right because he was like kind of offended or something, and then did he pay fifty after that too? I didn't see that. So then, so what happened was that that was another part. I'm great. I'm glad that you brought up that point because I left that out. But after that, that five thousand dollars. Then uh, Kuchar was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you more. Because he, he heard him complain. So he's like, all right, I'll give you 15000 which is incredible. But then l 2 like, no, I'm not going to take it. And you're right. He was apparently offended by that. Um, and then Kuchar comes back after a couple of days later. Really nice, uh, you know, huge apology. And he even calls up the caddy. And he says he's going to give him $50,000. Okay. That uh, everyone felt that the caddy deserved. Okay. Apparently, okay. Well, uh, here's my opinion on that. So, if that was a deal, the five thousand, I understand Kuchar's perspective, where he's like, yeah, I mean, it was a great week. He made five grand for a weekend to caddy, and uh, I mean, he did that. That's a great week of money, and you can't deny that. But at the same time, that's like less than like a, a tenth of a percent of what he earned, I believe, overall for the whole tournament. Right. So, like with the win. 
if I was in Cooter's position, I'd see the opportunity to be like, hey, man, I, this guy isn't loaded. I could really, really change this man's life if I give him 50 or so thousand dollars, which which isn't even that huge of a chunk out of that. And if he is doing that, then that's great. And I believe that's the correct amount of money you should have been paying him. <laughs> but um, he's, he 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 called him the, his good luck charm and stuff. So so they got along really well. And his caddy obviously helped out. He won the tournament. I Kuchar had to do the swinging, but his caddy – uh, had to have done a great job on the bag, and I mean, if if you get fifty thousand after a win, I believe is a, is the fair amount. I believe that's the fair amount. If that's what they finally agreed on and came to, I believe that's the right amount. I don't believe in the media um, blowing everything up out of proportion. It should pretty much just be all handled between the between the caddy, between the I agree, like Kuchar's Kuchar's base around him and everything, and they should just work it out like that and not let the media get their hands on it because the media screws everything up. But, right. I I believe, you know, a lot of the blame goes to Mark Steinberg, the agent of Matt Kuchar, for letting it get yeah. this far out of hand. Yeah, I, I do. I don't I won't say like throw shade is the right word, but but Kuchar, I believe, should have paid him more originally. Like five grand is a good week from the caddy's perspective for caddying for someone for a weekend and getting that much money. And he is a sub, too. But I wonder, I just wonder how much he pays his regular caddy. That would tell me how much I think that that L2 too conscious have got and i believe 50 is a good amount for the amount he wants so if that's what they finally came to i believe i believe that's fair and then it all can be put to rest but not gonna lie i think five thousand dollars for that for a win like that is is way too low you know that's an interesting perspective there justin i i i, I really I agree with it I, I think that i think you know i understand exactly what you're saying you know i i was more holding the line to a, a deal's a deal yeah, um, I, I see. I understand what, that too. That's, that's right, I understand, right. I understand and that, both that's sides. It's just that. it's the dude probably is not loaded, and you got a chance to let him go buy a house or something, or it's, right. it'd be it'd just be the opportunity to change someone's life like that. You know? Right. I I guess I feel you know overall to, to summarize my my end view on this, I, I feel like you know Justin, what you said is is the correct thing, the correct way. He should have been paid fifty thousand, but I think the 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 whole thing that basically just really makes me upset is how involved the media became, yeah. how yeah. involved, how why we are even talking about this because it became such a big story. Frankly, this we shouldn't even know about this. It should have nothing. Um, yeah. to do with with the people and uh, you know golf fans around the world. They shouldn't even know about this. All this should be behind the scenes, and they should have handled this um, completely differently. Because frankly, it, it's disappointing to um, kind of, like you said, kind of throw shade, throw, kind yeah. of make a, a bad reputation. Uh, yeah. For, uh, for Matt, because there's definitely some people that view him very poorly now, more poorly than he should be viewed. Like he shouldn't be viewed poorly in any sense. I he. I'd say if he gave him five and like he knew he could have given more, I'd say that's a minor mistake on Kuchar's part. But if he comes back and pays it off, like you said, he's, I didn't see for sure like he's doing the fifth. But if he if he does do yeah. that like that, you can't like keep going after him for that. I mean, if he if he pays him when he requested and and I mean, Kuchar got a huge payday. The caddy gets a really good payday. I, I think everything should just be put to rest. So the media should have never got their hands all over this. Should have been handled behind closed doors. Maybe Kuchar will just you know. To pay the next sub caddy fifty off the bat, so he doesn't have to do. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be paying his caddies well the rest of his, uh, <laughs> rest of his yeah. career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it shouldn't have turned. We shouldn't even be talking about this right now. I'm happy to hear that Kucher does plan on paying the fifty. Unfortunately, it had to kind of be a little hostile between the caddy and Kucher and then the media. I mean, who knows exactly the scenario? But but bottom line, I believe Kucher should have just initially paid him the fifty. And um, in line, I believe Kuchar did the right thing by addressing it and, um, and and giving the caddy the money. Even if he doesn't feel like he deserved 50, I believe that's the right thing because, you know, Kuchar's got, you know, Kuchar's got, got some racks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so overall, kind of a, a disappointing, um, disappointing situation. Yeah, it'll blow but over. It'll, it's blown over. It, it, exactly justin you know there's a new story uh every single week that's why we have this podcast we yeah. have so much to talk about every week because something happens we don't know what's going to happen this week but something will happen um then we'll be able to talk about it so um i want to talk a little bit now about the uh, golf trip that i had down in florida down in orlando i had a lot of interesting uh situations that popped up um and i'd like to do a little little segment on that so um 
another reason why we did not have a podcast uh, last week, as I uh, as I mentioned, first couple of days of the trip, I was uh, I was sick, um, which was uh, unfortunate. You know, Justin and I have discussed a lot of these situations, but Justin, also there's some some uh, stories here that I'm going to bring up that you haven't heard yet, which are, are pretty funny, and I'll be interested to hear your, hear okay. your thoughts on them. Um, so day one. We played, uh, we had a tea time, woke up at the uh, hotel at uh, the Orlando airport, um, and I was sick as can be. I was, uh, I could hardly breathe, and throat was sore, and I was angry, and it was just terrible. But we made our way over to the uh, Disney Palm course, a course where Tiger Woods has actually won on on before. Um, and Justin, if I uh, remember correctly, I believe your uncle has won there as well. Yeah, I believe it's that course. It was one of the Disney ones down there in Florida. Uh, it sounds really familiar. I know he's one at one on a PGA Tour event, so there's a very strong possibility it's the same course, if not in the same vicinity. Exactly. So we had a tea time there in the, uh, I believe, around like 11 o'clock at the uh, Disney Palm Course. My dad and I warmed up and uh, made our way over to the tee, and we met the uh, the couple that we were playing with, and they were. Uh, at least probably 75, 70, 75 years old. And uh, the guy was named Bob and his uh, wife was named Linda. So Bob and Linda, Bob played from the senior tees and uh, Linda played from the Reds. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole summary of this round was, you know, I was kind of out there for the first time, you know, getting outside um, for the winter since uh, Christmas break and just kind of warming everything up and played, played, actually solid for being sick uh the greens were really slow which was unfortunate but it was actually a decent golf course um resort golf course um i think it used to be better than than what it what it is now um definitely but definitely respectable golf course and fun to play um but i just couldn't enjoy it as as much as i possibly could because i was sick um but you know the interesting story, the, the, probably the top story of this group uh, about with Bob and Linda, was Linda had a special rule. And her rule was she would subtract, Justin, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. She would subtract a stroke every time she would hit it within 10 yards of the cart path off the tee. So off the tee, no matter where the cart path went, if the cart path went in the middle of the woods, if it went over the pond, if it went, you know, out in the boonies, she was going to aim at the cart path and try to hit the ball down the cart path. And she would sub- subtract a, sc- a stroke literally on the, on the uh, like the third hole of par three. The cart path was like 30 yards left of the green. And she aims at the cart path, hits it right down the cart path, and turns to me and goes, oh, yay, that's that's minus one shot. So I'll be hitting my first shot from right up by the green. Wow. <laughs> that just I, I think those are some interesting rules. Yeah, I mean, I under I first of all, it's very dumb. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Second of all, I think I understand her perspective in, in doing that. And it's like, I mean, she's never going to be a good golfer based off what you explain them as is like shooting 100 something. So. So yeah, they're mainly out there for fun, and I believe what she's doing there is, like, it's a small target. I don't know why she doesn't use just a fairway, but <laughs> it's, it's a small target. It can give her a little extra distance, and she's like, all right, if I hit it really close to it, I'm going to give myself a shot off just to just to help me get better accuracy off the tee is probably her reasoning, but it still just makes no sense. But I, I feel like that's why. She, or she's just trying to, like, get the lowest score possible, and just I, I have no idea. It's just her. That's Linda Golf for you. Um, it's a different type of golf. Good luck doing that in a tournament. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, um, let's just say I didn't play with any good golfers down there. They were all, uh, they were all hacks, but to be honest, they were fun to play with. Good people really enjoyed, enjoyed playing with them. Just not the best golfers. And the play was incredibly slow that round at, uh, at the Palm course. And, uh, I got off the golf course after 10 holes and I was tired and I was sick and that was it. Yeah. So that was the end of that round. Day two, woke up sick again. Um, and th- at this time, we moved over to the Reunion Resort, stayed at the Reunion Tower there, and uh, played uh, their courses. So we were set on the Watson course uh, for day two. Got in 10 holes this time. Um, stopped because I uh, was feeling awful. 
Uh, we played with Tom and Tom. <laughs> Tom and Tom. Two guys, one uh, one from the U.S., the other from uh, Canada. So, and they they somehow met, and they were friends. Great group of guy, a couple guys. Um, really fun to play with. They really enjoyed the game. Um, they were not good, but they really enjoyed the game. And, you know, I know, Justin, you always appreciate those people. Mm-hmm. And I do as well. Yeah, you um, just gotta just gotta love the game, and then that'll help you get better at it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, the, sort of the summary of this round. Um, you know, these guys they, they they took it seriously. They were not good. I mean, they were. You know, I think on the first hole, one of them made an eight. The other made like a, a nine. Um, but they were playing for a dollar a hole, and uh, you know, they they were taking their game seriously. And uh, they had multiple scenarios where they argued over the score. I mean, they were like, no, Tom, you, you got the score wrong here. And the other was like, no, Tom, you had a seven. He's like, no, I had a six. And, you know, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> you know? But uh, that they took it serious. And, uh, you know, I think we can learn something from Tom and Tom to always make sure, you know, that you're keeping track of your opponent's score. Don't let anybody, uh, don't let anybody cheat. So we've got, we've got the, the cart path rule. Um, from Linda, if you want to improve your uh, driving skills, and we have the uh, the Tom and Tom, the you know basically make sure no one cheats. So two takeaways right off the bat, the first two days. Um, Justin, you have any thoughts on on that uh, day two pairing? Yeah, I mean they sound like a, a fun group of guys to play with. Obviously not the best. If they're arguing about what score they got, they had very high scores. Um, so <laughs> so uh, yeah, in a tournament the. For me personally, I try to not like think about like what my opponent's getting on the hole. I mean, if I happen to see and realize what he gets, it doesn't really affect me any. Uh, but you definitely want to make sure no one's cheating, right? Uh, and it's it's a little tougher to do the higher levels you get up, and the more meaningful cheating becomes. Um, if you're just playing a little, uh, a little, uh, just around with some friends, and someone cheats, not very, not really a big deal. You'd prefer them not to, maybe. Maybe make them buy you something after the round for, for cheating if you catch them. Uh, then you get into tournaments, like smaller uh, junior tournaments. And I saw some kid in a tournament, like, accidentally nudged a ball out in the out in the rough. And, I like, he, he accidentally did it. And, I like, he has to count that. And I didn't know if he was going to tell me because I saw it. I was going to bring it up if he didn't mention. But when he counted the score up, he gave me the right score. So, the integrity wow. there and, and getting that getting that right was very impressive, especially considering it was this kid's first tournament, really. So, I mean, all in all, I try to not really pay attention to, to other people's what they're doing. But if you see someone doing something suspicious, you might want to go check check out what they're doing, especially if they're going against you in that tournament and you guys are kind of close. You don't you want to make sure they're not cheating uh, by all exactly. means. So. Exactly. So overall, fun, uh, fun second day, but I was still sick. Finally, the third day, um, we're set to play the Palmer course starting uh, – the late morning, I finally woke up feeling well, so that was nice. And we got paired with a great group of uh, a guy and his uh, his uh, wife, and then um, another uh, older gentleman, uh, Lisa, Ian, and Todd were their names. So it's just a, like I said, just a lot of a lot of fun fun group. Um, the one guy actually um, knew uh, knew of Hillsdale. He receives the Hillsdale like newspaper. Oh wow! Christmas. So. Uh, was pretty cool. He's, the, I believe, even a even a donor to the uh, to the college. So it was cool, cool. to talk with him. Yeah. Uh, big uh, big conservative um, Hillsdale guy. So that was uh, that was really neat to you know kind of a small world to play with somebody <laughs> yeah. um, somebody who knows of Hillsdale um, who wasn't even from around the Midwest area. So uh, I enjoyed talking with that group. Uh, a lot of great discussions on the course and. No one was really great in that group, and no one was really terrible either. I mean, it was a, a good pace that day, and uh, everyone just enjoyed being out there playing. Um, I really caught fire um, that day, finally, that I felt well. I shot three under par. Um, good, solid round there on the, on the Palmer course. Birdied eight, nine, um, and ten, so three straight birdies there. And then uh, I believe uh, got a couple more birdies on the, uh, on the back nine as well, so – Overall, a uh, great third day. It was nice to be uh, to be feeling a lot better. Um, and then day four, the final day, uh, back on the Watson course. Um, now I'm starting to really, really feel good, so I'm, I'm getting my get my game back. We played with two people from Iceland. You know, Justin, it's amazing the people you meet 
playing golf. Golf can really create, you know, some awesome, absolutely incredible adventures. Um, you know, who would have ever thought, you know, you'd meet someone from Iceland, you know, people could go their whole life, never meeting from somebody, uh, meeting somebody from Iceland, but then golf brings people together from all different walks of life. And that's what's so exciting about it. Um, and, uh, played with, I believe couldn't really understand them that well. They spoke Icelandic. Um, one lady spoke English pretty well. I want to say it was Gutberg and Ludwig, uh, yeah. but I'm not really quite sure if, if that's their names or not. I'd have to look up some some names from Iceland to see if I was correct on that. But they sound pretty uh, correct, close enough for. Yeah, close enough. I mean, we don't know for us. sure. We don't know them. Uh, uh, they they sound they size they sound Icelandish. If that if that's right, important. right, no, exactly. But Justin, you would enjoy this group. They they really enjoy golf as well. That that was exciting to see people from Iceland. They don't get to play golf a whole lot. They loved it, and they they hit their hybrid all around the golf course. It was fascinating to see. Um, no matter where they were at, really, they take the hybrid, even around the green, kind of bump it up. Wow. Um, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting way of golf. You know, I wonder if in Iceland that's, you know, kind of how they have to play with the terrain. I, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, a lot of low running shots. Yeah, I, um, Iceland, I believe, is actually a very like beautiful country. It, it's just a little right. cold. Um, but yeah, they they probably got some very nice golf courses out there, and that's probably just how they play out there is with the hybrid club. Exactly. Just overall. Uh, fun group i shot two under that round and got off the or got the uh the trip uh finished off with a, a good note there um and then we uh we went back the uh headed back home the next day and had a good flight back and and now now i'm here i'm back so yeah. overall it was a it was a fun golf trip um got to play uh three different golf courses the palm the uh watson and the uh, palmer course and uh Really enjoyed it. It was nice to get out of the uh, out of the uh, cold weather here in Indiana, and uh, you know it makes me coming back, Justin. Just want to get outside even more. Actually, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I'm ready for. You know, I was talking to Quinn today. For those of you who don't know, Quinn Griffin, PJ professional over at uh, Apex Golf Lab, and uh, he he's projecting that March 20th. I go, Quinn, when's when's the golf course is going to open up? He goes, I think March 20th. That'd be perfect, um, right before my birthday. And, I go, Quinn. I'd take that. Too. That'd be perfectly fine. Yeah. It's your birthday too. I forgot, <laughs> but yeah, that's right before our birthday. Yeah, exactly. Justin and I are both born on March 26th. For those of you who do not know, I wouldn't expect you. you to know. I would hope you guys all wouldn't know that, but I don't know. Maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, just uh, exciting. Hopefully, you know, we can get the season started off here pretty soon. And uh, March 20th is not that far away. I'd be happy with that. I'm ready to go right now, but March 20th, I can, I can wait for. Exactly. Justin and I, you know, we've got things to keep us busy with this podcast and, uh, you know, practicing golf, you know, indoors on simulators and uh, as well as doing the Canterbury basketball broadcast. We uh, got a couple more things to finish off for the uh, winter season. And then we'll be ready to, uh, to get back out there for the uh, for the golf on yeah. the golf course, yeah. lots of tournaments, lots of rounds to cover on the podcast. Many exactly. exciting moments that are going to be be happening. Exactly. So Justin and I here would just like to uh, wrap up this podcast for you all um, about the uh, and, and give you kind of a, a quick uh, preview of the WGC Mexico Championship um, held down in uh, the Club de Golf uh, Chapultepec in uh in mexico so um star-studded field it's a world golf championship event um these are uh very very important championships uh very prestigious to win you know it's up there with the players championship it's kind of the tier below the majors for those of you aren't that familiar with golf um but uh justin i'll 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 read you off the 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 stars of this field I'll, i'll let you sort of pick um who you feel is gonna gonna win this? Okay, we're gonna be up there. So we got we got Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Tommy Fleetwood, Bryson DeChambeau, and Hideki Matsuyama as our highlights for this. Yeah, that's tournament. a that's a it's a packed field there. I mean, I want to say Tiger's gonna be top five here. I believe he's going to be a top five. I just don't feel like he's going to win. I want to say he's going to win, but I just I just don't feel it. Uh, if he wins, I'll be ecstatic. But I just don't feel yeah, it this too. week. Uh, 
Uh, he threw DJ out there. I kind of like DJ. I know he didn't play well very recently, but he also won a tournament somewhat recently on a different tour, like the European or do some some other tour, and he had a very dominant performance. And WGCs, I know DJ usually does pretty well in. So, you know, I'm just going to go out and uh, I'm thinking Brooks or DJ, but I'm, uh, I'm going to lean towards DJ, Dustin Johnson. I, I think that's a great pick, Justin. Uh, Dustin Johnson has is, is traditionally played well in Mexico at this tournament. You always see him getting himself into contention um, here at this tournament. He's even won uh, some WG, WGC uh, events um, over the years. And, and he's a guy who, uh, who's made for, the, for this type of uh, big moment. Um, and I, I definitely think that that's a, that's a quality pick. You know, you mentioned a guy who, who I was considering picking, um, and, and that's Brooks Kepka. Um, I think that this could be a tournament for him to have a top five, top 10 finish. I don't think he's going to win though. However, um, I think, I think he's going to get himself into contention, kind of get himself warmed up for the year. Cause we're starting to kind of itch our way closer to, um, you know, major championship season. And I, I think we'll see him have, have a really good tournament. But I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. Okay, that's another one Rory, I was thinking. He he really, Justin, last week at uh, at, at the Genesis, he really played a, a great third third and fourth round there um, and, and kind of edged his way up uh, in the leaderboard. And actually, there was a point in the final round where everyone was thinking, wow, Rory's only a couple back. Can he – Come force a playoff. Yeah, and uh, there was a moment where I actually thought he was going to be in a playoff when they were three JT and on Holmes were three putting back and forth. <laughs> but I think this is his chance to take the momentum for last from last week and go into this next week and uh, and get the victory because I think he's he's due. Rory McIlroy is due for a a big victory. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and partly I make that pick as well because I'm just not going to bore all of our listeners and pick Tiger Woods every <laughs> single week, which Obviously, everyone knows that I want Tiger to win, and I believe that he's going to win, and blah 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 blah. But uh, make it more interesting. I'll pick Rory. Um, yeah, I got, and, I got uh, a bold prediction for this week. I, I feel like DJ Tiger, Rory, and Brooks Kepka will all finish in the top ten. Okay. All right. All we will hold you to that, and we okay. will we will look at the end of the uh, we will watch, and we will uh, you know come back to that comment on our next podcast yeah well that one of that'd be exciting with those four names in the top 10 boy oh boy i'd be uh eyes would be glued to the tv <laughs> for sure on that one yeah um but as always we uh like to finish our podcast up with a uh a quote a kind of inspiring quote we like to talk about and also a uh, golf course to uh for you all to uh to pay attention to and, and this week the golf course is uh there's Chapultepec Golf Course in Mexico, um, where they're playing the WGC. It's a it's a very interesting worldwide golf course. You know, it's it's in Mexico. Um, our criteria criteria for the golf course of the week is outside of the United States um, to sort of promote the worldwide part of the game. Um, and uh, there's a lot of elevation on this golf course, um, and uh, you know, that can create some uh, longer tee balls and uh, some interesting factors there. And it's also kind of tucked away in, in a woods kind of environment, um, which makes makes things really interesting. Obviously, uh, wildlife, great wildlife down in, uh, down in Mexico that you can see um, at this event is, is quite incredible. So overall, a very fantastic golf course. It's actually a golf course that, frankly, is uh, relatable, I think, to everyone who plays the game. There's nothing really spectacular about it. It's just a nice, solid, traditional golf course that's, that's tucked away in, in, in the woods in, in Mexico, which is, is really fascinating, I think. It doesn't have anything that's really flashy about it. It's just a nice, traditional, solid golf course. And I think yeah. everyone should look it up. Check out uh, Club de Golf Chapultepec in uh, Mexico. So that's our golf yeah. course of the week. Big um, And Justin, I'll, I'll – Kind of throw the quote over to you, and, and we can have your uh, your final. Yeah, we we are going to get caught up, cut off here in a minute at an hour, so I want to try and. That is true. Let's, let's make it let's quick. Let's do it. Here's the quote: "Life is better when you're golfing." Anonymous man made this, or anonymous <laughs> man or woman made this uh, made this comment. Well, what are your thoughts? I mean, that kid, that's probably been said thousands and thousands of times amongst the world, and that's that's just true. I mean, if that many people are thinking life is better when you're golfing, then 
And life is better when you're golfing. Right now, my life would be better if I was golfing. So That's true. So. Why don't we just golf all the time? <laughs> Why don't we just never sleep? Why don't we just – Justin, I think you and I should go out right now and meet on uh, on uh, the first tee at Chestnut. Let's just go. I'm Let's ready go. to go. I'm ready to go. We're like going to hang this up, and that's where we're headed. So All right, guys. Thanks for well, listening, we'll everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Justin and I always appreciate it. Um, and be ready for our episode six. It's going to come next week. We got the last five seconds here. Justin and I are heading off quickly to the Chestnut First Tee. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll see you. Bye.